Hi, this is Jess Van Nostrand. Visual artist Veit Strotman presented his research project at the Project Room back in 2012, which was called L'Aquila. It was about an Italian city that had been evacuated in preparation for an earthquake, but never actually re-inhabited. It seemed frozen in time, behind elaborate scaffolding put up by the government. Because of this project, Veit was subsequently invited to Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia, which is undergoing some similar restructuring. In our conversation, Veit talked about displacement and what's happening and his observations in both of these cities. More pressing to our conversation, however, was how Veit and his family are coping after the recent terrorist attacks in Paris, which took place right near his home. Many thanks to Veit for his candid thoughts on the subject, and thanks for listening. Thank you, Veit, for agreeing to speak with me today. Uh, We have known each other for some years now, and you had first presented a work in progress at the Project Room in 2012, way back then. And it's always um, really interesting and fun for us to visit with artists and talk about what has happened to them or what they've made or what they've learned since we last heard from them at the Project Room. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would love to... um, Talk about um, how you view works in progress. We had featured you in 2012 with a work that you actually called an impossible project, that you actually talked about not having a finishing point for very specific reasons. And so it was kind of the ultimate work in progress. You didn't ever necessarily plan on having a finished product. It was more like a a research project and a a thinking project. and that was about the city of L'Aquila that had been abandoned in preparation for an earthquake. Um, and we followed the documentation of what happened in the town and also your thoughts about it and your response. So tell me what it's like to work on a project that you don't think has an ending. What does that mean? Well, I don't know if I don't think it has an ending. What I tried was uh, to say that there are two, actually in the context of L'Aquila, when after the town was uh, evacuated and um, thus the society disappeared and the, the, was dis- dissolved, and um, they built this famous exoskeleton around all the, the blocks, um, and I visited, I found myself in two impossible situations. One was to say, as a citizen, something has to be done, but my most efficient, I'm the most efficient as, as an artist. And as an artist in the same context, I have the impression that I could not do anything because what the place needed was a solution, and I think that art cannot provide any solution outside art itself. And uh, basically, the, the form I... I invented, at least for me, for me newly, was this text-image relation as visual art, for me, as a, project, as a visual project. And um, other texts followed on other, on other aspects of the, of the development of this town. And um, strangely enough, um, I just uh, told you that I was in Ethiopia, what happened was that uh, Italian curator who is setting up a, a um, 
master's degree in art and, the and uh, cinema in Addis Abeba, uh, read the project, uh, the whole uh, Lacrila project, and asked me to come because uh, she saw relations between what happened in L'Aquila and what is happening right now in Addis Abeba. So I just launched a new, whole new adventure uh, for which I don't, I'm not knowing what's coming out. So what is happening in Addis Abeba? Tell us. Uh, in Addis Abeba, um, what basically is happening is that whole neighborhoods, like I don't know how much a hectare is in the U.S., but it must be a couple of acres. Um, it's 10,000 square meters, so 90,000 square foot. I don't know. And there is about there were a couple of different neighborhoods in Addis Abeba, namely one. Uh, Riba Cantu, which is straight, like, in the heart of the city, which I would say is about 30 hectares big, was just emptied out. Then they built a whole fence around it and let it grow. And the people who are living in the city are now stocked in sort of silos in the, um, in the fields, in a... Uh, in the, well, how do you call it? It's not savannah, it's like, it's not semi-desert, but in like, in the dry land all around the town. And uh, those neighborhoods, this, this neighborhood namely, is just left as uh, an empty space in the middle of the city. And uh, I learned that there are other, plan, other plans of doing the same with other neighborhoods, na namely, um, with what is now the biggest open market in all of Africa. So it's like they are turning Addis Ababa into a sort of Swiss cheese on one side or as if they were turning it inside out like a sock, you know. What is the reason for these evacuations? What I heard, what I learned was that the, this, this main, this neighborhood, this downtown neighborhood uh, had a too high crime rate, a very high crime rate, and was too ugly to be looked at from the National Palace. And that were the main two reasons why this neighborhood was emptied out. There are, I think, as well... Um, uh, economical reasons, as they are, uh, as new buildings are are just jumping up all over the town. So I can imagine that there are long-term um, investments, like real estate investments, involved. But uh, there's nothing to be seen for the moment. So the only thing you can see is that there is a huge, empty, senseless surface out of context in the middle of the city and then you can travel to the edges of town um, where there's nearly no more public transportation there's one bus every couple of hours we now live um, a huge amount a huge number of people uh, and um, the buildings they live in are built on uh, the fields of another ethnic group that lives around Addis, and this group so lost the fields, so lots, lots of those people became homeless and moved into town, and um, 
some of the people of the neighborhood I was talking were too poor to get these apartments, so they are homeless as well now. And uh, another thing is that um, some people who obtained one of those apartments uh, live themselves in like small houses or huts or however you might call them and rent out the apartments. They sublet the apartments they got to younger, younger, wealthier people and basically make a living on the um, on the, the 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 difference between what they pay for the apartment officially and what they receive from this younger wealthier families. So there is a movement. This this one thing emptying out the this the heart of the city um, involved an enormous amount of movement of population of tension. Um, I forgot to say that the people who are now living in those real silos um, don't speak Am Amharic, which is the language of Addis Abeba, and the people around speak Oromo, so they do not understand each other. So there are lots, this created economical, social, and ethnical um, tensions. The simple, the simple act of emptying out this neighborhood downtown and others will follow. So um, clearly I understand the, the connection between these two projects and that the idea of displacement, displaced people, has been a thread in these two projects. Um, what, when you say that you don't think art can actually solve problems, have you found people who disagree with you? Do you think that there's a level of um, activism that does think that art can solve problems, and and where do you see yourself fitting into that conversation? Well, um, of course, I met people who think that art can solve problems. Um, well, as I said, I don't think it can. Um, my basic belief is that art should open debate and not close it. And finding solutions or giving answers are means of closing debate. And, um, and so far, I think that well, my position will be the same. I'm trying all the time to, if I manage, to push debate. But uh, And I, I might be an activist in another position when I um, place myself as a well, maybe a strange word to put, to, to put it that way, but to, as a citizen, but I think as an, uh, I can give, as a, as a political active and political conscious citizen, I can take a position, a univocal position, but I, I think as an artist, I'm far more effective if I um, try to, to open the debate, to, to stir, like, to stir the situation on, and to, uh, instead of Closing it and that quieting and uh, the, the the yeah reconforting the, the the situation. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. So we're speaking by um, very soon after the recent terrorist attacks in Paris, yes. which, um, from what I understand, took place not too far from your home. Um, how how are you doing? How are how is everybody feeling? What's the atmosphere like there um, these days? 
Well, right after the uh, um, uh, the attacks for the next two or three days, uh, and the city was like numb. There was a huge feeling of numbness, uh, much more than after the um, the Charlie Hebdo thing, because uh, the Charlie Hebdo uh, attack allowed people to to regroup around one symbol and in a certain in a certain way to mourn together and um, and to develop solidarity together around one thing but the fluidity of the uh, the last attacks uh, made this kind of solidarity very difficult nearly impossible everybody found him or herself alone and uh, that uh, created this huge feeling of numbness. And but for me personally, it's it's strange because um, when I was 12 years old, uh, the Munich Olympic Games killing appeared, and uh, I was born in yes. So I remember very well. Uh, this whole thing, and I must say, it was a huge uh, change in my life. Um, I don't know if that was the moment when I entered adult adulthood or something like that, but I know it it uh, it definitely um, drew me out of childhood. And uh, the 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 strange thing is that my daughter is thirteen this year; just she just turned thirteen. And the, the Charlie Hebdo attacks uh, occurred when she was till, till, still 12, and the last when she was just 13. So I, I hope I can, in a certain way, imagine what she's feeling, and I'm, I'm trying to, to stick with her, to talk with her, and... and um, and to keep her talking and keep keep her, uh, you know, not go, not getting silent because I think that's the most dangerous thing. As I said, this, these attacks left everybody alone without possibility of solidarity. So I try to show this kind of solidarity uh, or love to my daughter. How do you after something like what just happened in Paris? Where do you find the motivation to just? get back up and go to the studio and work? I mean, how do you, do you question the importance of doing that? Um, because I question the importance of my work all the time, and I haven't experienced what you've experienced, and I still wonder if it's worth it or if it's valuable. And, you know, when you're an artist, you're, you're performing a job that no one really asked you to do. And so I just wondered what keeps you motivated when when you're really being faced with difficulties? Well, maybe it's, maybe, I don't know, it's what I'm going to say now is very arrogant or very humble, but um, I, I envision an artist as being a, such a kind of um, the epitome of the individual. This does not mean better or worse, but it, he is an individual. And... Um, what I think about, and, and I think that the 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 oh, the notion of um, what happened in in Paris, at least, you know, the those the groups like ISIS and and all the others, they emphasize the supra individual, 
they emphasize giving up yourself for a for a cause um, to to to, to uh, give up your 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 uh, the core what makes you human as be, me, meaning I am who I am and I to make the decisions I want and uh, my uh, and I uh, position myself to towards the world as I like and I think that um, in my in my ideal dream being an artist is doing right that you know so I think that even though nobody asks me to do what I do, and uh, maybe nobody needs what I, needs what I do. Um, I think it's the the best thing I can do now. And so, what are you thinking about this? Is is this where your head is now? And if so, I'd, I'm curious to know what you're working on next. Well, I don't know. I'm. Um, I am right now. I come. I'm coming back from. From uh, from Addis Abeba, from Ethiopia. So I have my head is right now is full of um, of this uh, of this situation. Then there, are, of course, I mean, on the whole other hand, I continue my my installation work. There are some projects, and um, I am working on one thing. Um, uh, I found. Uh, um, how can I say that? Uh, it's a sort of it's a video I found um, that shows a group of of uh, a company in France of who invented uh, for themselves a um, how can I say that sort of order of elite workers, and this is a, this is a company um, called Buig. And which has uh, which fills everything. That's a company. They they are one of the biggest uh, construction companies in France. Uh, then they build the roads that connect the buildings. Then they have a TV station that fills the inside of the of the houses. And they have a, a mobile net, mobile network which fills the public space. So they basically fill up everything. And and I am very fascinated by by this company right now. You know, its role, again, uh, which is, in a way, shapes totally society, but um, in their ideal, is outside of, of society. What's this company called? Bregan. Bregan. Well, I'll be very curious to follow along and see what you make of it. I have one more question that might put yeah. you on the spot, but um, you've known me a while. You don't mind, right? Nah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so you're also a professor at a university. Um, what is, can we just hear a, a really, um, I don't know, one of your quintessential pieces of advice that you give to young artists in the making? What do you see? What kind of patterns are you seeing in art students these days? Uh, what do they need to know? Um, and when they ask you for guidance, what do you find yourself telling them? Well, my, I mean, the French system is there that they ask you nearly never for guidance. Um, you know, it's, it's, they're not very polite, which I like, actually. Um, because I think they, they, um, it's their job to, 
sorry to put it that way, but to kick my butt, you know. I mean, I I want them to be art artists who impress me. So um, it's not their job to be nice to me, you know. So um, I'm I'm always nervous if an art student is too is too nice, not not in the evening having a drink or something. You you, you can be nice, but when you talk about the work, I'm always amazed when they. I'm always a little bit. No, nervous when they are um, when they are uh, to when they are too nice. But what I think maybe what I try to to give them, I don't know. Advice. It depends, you know. It's um, um, I'm often working with uh, the second year students, and uh, what I try to what I think the most important is that. Uh, they they invent ways basically. Many said that sounds strange, but I think they should basically split their mind into you know live fully what they live, and at the same time try to um, to make everything they live productive for their work. So they're, they're like two that they record everything they live in two different ways and try to to introduce all everything they live into their work to make it. <clears throat> To 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 make it uh, to make it productive, yeah. Right. So there's no, you mean there's no stopping or starting. There's no distinct divide between your regular life and your art making. Are you saying that it's all kind of blended together? Um, in my case, yes. Well, I cannot speak for others, but in my case, I hope it's not. Uh, in in uh, in my case, I hope uh, that I can uh, use the maximum of what is my day-to-day life into uh, for my work. Um, or even I mean, when I speak about the the incoherence, maybe even the, my thought of the end of my life to bring it into my work. Um, but uh, I don't think there is a ma- there is a separation. No, not for me. In my not as uh, con- con- concerning myself. Um, for others, I have no idea. Well, I've known many artists over the years, and I think a majority of them would see it the same way you do. Um, and I think some of it is an impulse to not miss an opportunity. That if you're if you're going through life and the in the, the same it's the same brain that you're using to make art as to just live your life, and so I think artists don't necessarily want to turn off the filter that allows them to right. see everything. No, I, well, I don't want to at least. And um, I, well, the 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 artists I like who I know see it the same way. All the all the pieces we talked about, I basically stumbled upon them, you know. And uh, and I think if I would uh, put in the filter uh, you mentioned, I would not have stumbled upon them. So... Uh, so. <laughs> I think that's important to note that for people who are not in the art world, that it's not... Um, it's not just a physical act of going into a studio space or designated space and then the work begins. Um, but that often the work is never not happening, even if it's just quietly in the back of your mind, the wheels are spinning. 
Yeah, and and there's that there's that factor, and I think there's another factor, which is that nobody describes you or prescribes you. Sorry, prescribes you a rhythm of work, a quality of time, and things. And I think that that that's one of a very important part of uh, of an artist's life is to invent his or her time structure. Now, um, a work rhythm time structure, uh, a discipline which is probably your own because nobody else might need the kind of discipline you you impose on yourself. I think that's, um, that's in my understanding, uh, 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 a very important uh, part, a central, one of the central parts of, of being an artist. Thank you, Veit. I think that's a great place to conclude our excellent conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for talking to us from the road, from way over there. Um, <laughs> it's really nice to talk to you, and it's been really wonderful to keep in touch with you since we first met way back in 2012. So thank you, and good luck with all of your future ideas. Thank you.